NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who save with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Tonight, the new charges against Donald Trump after his fourth indictment and a sweeping election probe in Georgia. The former president charged with 13 counts, including racketeering and multiple conspiracy charges. The Fulton County D.A. accusing him of leading a criminal enterprise to overturn his 2020 loss in Georgia. 18 co-defendants also charged, including Rudy Giuliani and Mark Meadows. Mr. Trump blasting the case as another witch hunt. Tonight, the deadline for him to surrender and what does it mean for 2024? Also tonight, the mounting questions about the response to Hawaii's deadly wildfire. Many asking, where were the warnings then and where is the help now? And officials working to identify the victims. Among the dead, a 68-year-old man who died shielding a golden retriever. Our team in the fire zone. North Korea's new claims about detained U.S. soldier Travis King, what he supposedly said about his reason for crossing into the country. Severe thunderstorm watches on the East Coast, on the heels of flash flooding in the mid-Atlantic. We're tracking it all. The mother of a six-year-old Virginia student who shot his teacher, what she pleaded guilty to today. And the superstar surfer who jumped onto his jet ski to help after the fires that devastated his native Maui. This is NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. Good evening and welcome. Already facing a dizzying crossroads of nearly unprecedented legal and political challenges, Donald Trump's trail of criminal indictments has grown longer. The newest handed up late last evening by a Fulton County, Georgia grand jury. Mr. Trump hit with 13 charges, accusing him of being part of a conspiracy to unlawfully overturn the Georgia 2020 presidential election results after his loss. Mr. Trump is not facing the music alone. The sweeping indictment names 18 alleged co-conspirators, including Trump lawyer and former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani. The Georgia case marking the fourth indictment of the ex-president since the end of March. Two federal cases and two state prosecutions. Mr. Trump denying the latest accusations and blasting District Attorney Fonnie Willis, who has given Trump and the other defendants 10 days to surrender to authorities. Blaine Alexander leads us off tonight from Atlanta. With his status as a Georgia defendant sealed, tonight former President Trump is on defense, slamming what he calls another partisan prosecution against him. He is now facing his fourth criminal indictment in nearly five months, a sweeping set of charges announced in a late night news conference by Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis. The indictment brings felony charges against Donald John Trump. She alleges Mr. Trump and 18 others unlawfully conspired in a criminal enterprise to try and overturn President Biden's narrow win in Georgia. Rather than abide by Georgia's legal process for election challenges, the defendants engaged in a criminal racketeering 
enterprise to overturn Georgia's presidential election result. Cameras tracked nearly every step as the indictment was brought to a judge and unsealed. Inside, 13 charges for Mr. Trump, including pressuring public officials to violate their oath, conspiracy to commit forgery, and making false statements. The indictment references this phone call with Georgia's Republican Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, where Trump pressured the official to change the election outcome. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more that we have, because we won the state. In a statement today, Raffensperger did not mention Trump by name, but wrote, the most basic principles of a strong democracy are accountability and respect for the Constitution and rule of law. You either have it or you don't. The indictment also alleges Trump allies recruited individuals to convene and cast fake electoral college votes to disrupt and delay the Biden win. The DA is using the state's anti-racketeering law, which is modeled on RICO statutes, to charge all 19 defendants, including Trump attorney Rudy Giuliani, who helped pioneer the use of RICO laws to prosecute the mafia in New York. Giuliani is also charged with repeating false statements about the election to Georgia lawmakers. Tonight, he's calling the indictment the next chapter in a book of lies targeting Mr. Trump and his allies. Another high-profile defendant, former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, also charged with trying to pressure officials. Tonight, he's filing to move the case to federal court. The Trump campaign is blasting the indictment, calling it the latest coordinated strike by a biased prosecutor in an overwhelmingly Democrat jurisdiction, something Willis strongly denies. I make decisions in this office based on the facts and the law. Um, the law is completely nonpartisan. And Blaine, as I mentioned at the top of the broadcast, the D.A. now calling on Mr. Trump and the other defendants to surrender for an arraignment by the end of next week. What is that going to look like? Well, that's right, Lester. Friday, August 25th at noon is the deadline. And because of Georgia law that allows cameras in the courtroom, it's very likely that we would see an arraignment play out on live TV. Blaine, thank you. This fourth indictment puts Mr. Trump's legal troubles on even more of a collision course with his campaign. So far, it appears to have boosted the Republican frontrunner Garrett Haake now and whether these charges could prove different. The historic fourth indictment of Donald Trump tonight shaking up the 2024 campaign. The Republican frontrunner slamming the charges as another witch hunt by a Democratic DA and vowing to release what he calls a conclusive report on Monday, proving his disproven claims of election fraud in Georgia. Trump allies blasting the growing set of charges he's facing. This should be decided at the ballot box not in a bunch of liberal jurisdictions trying to put the man in jail. The Georgia case also criticized by Trump rivals. We see the legal system being weaponized against political opponents. That is un-American and unacceptable. Even a fierce Trump critic. I'm uncomfortable with what I read last night. Um, I, I think that uh, this conduct is essentially covered by the federal indictment. But while previous indictments have been a boost for the Republican frontrunner, the Georgia case could be more politically damaging, with televised court proceedings likely to drag on through all of 2024 in a critical battleground state where the popular Republican governor and Trump critic Brian Kemp is a potential witness against him. Kemp posting today, the 2020 election in Georgia was not stolen. Our elections in Georgia are secure, accessible, and fair. The Georgia indictment adding to a legal minefield during the heat of the campaign. 
Trump's arraignment likely happening near the first GOP debate. Then there's that looming federal election interference case prosecutors want to start just before the Iowa caucus in January. Plus a March 25th trial over hush money payments in Manhattan and a May 20th trial in Florida on the classified documents case. Tonight, voters in Georgia reacting to the new charges. I firmly believe from my standpoint that he's guilty. The Democrats are scared to death and they'll do anything they can. Keep a Republican, what's less Donald Trump, get in office. And Garrett, as you noted, this calendar is getting complicated. This could all have an impact in the first Republican debate next week. It could, Lester. And Mr. Trump is still undecided on whether he'll attend, according to two sources I've spoken to. His senior campaign leadership team is opposed. The RNC wants him on that stage. If he does show up, it would be the first opportunity for his rivals to confront him face to face about these indictments. Lester. All right, Garrett Haig, thank you. Senior legal correspondent Laura Jarrett joins me. Laura, this is a complicated case both for the prosecution and the defense. Explain how so. Yes, Lester, both sides face some risks here in such a sprawling conspiracy case like this one. For the Fulton County District Attorney, the charges are complex. They involve a series of different events across state lines over a period of several months. And because this is mostly about actions Mr. Trump took while he was president, the state will also likely have to deal with a move by his legal team to try to take this case to federal court, as we saw his former chief of staff do that this evening. As for the defense side obstacles, the prosecutor here has thrown a lot of darts at the wall, all pardon-proof charges, and legally, she only needs a couple of them to stick to win this case. And based on this indictment, it looks like there are at least a couple cooperating witnesses, and the DA is likely hoping others are going to come around as well. And she got a lot of attention during that news conference last night. She suggested this trial could happen within six months. What are the odds of that? Just doesn't seem realistic. Given all the defendants, there are going to to be delays likely well beyond six months. So this trial is unlikely to happen before the 2024 election. All right, Laura Jarrett, thank you. One week now since those devastating wildfires swept through parts of Maui and the death toll now at almost 100 is expected to rise substantially amid growing concerns about whether more people could have been saved. Tom Yamas is there for us again tonight. Tonight, one week into the Maui disaster, and cadaver dogs are still searching for victims as they sift through the ashes. Officials expecting up to 20 new victims per day. It's like a bomb went off. It's, it's the end of, every, of all of it. It's gone. Locals who lost everything still in a daze, trying to connect with loved ones and scrambling to find a place to live. I just didn't want to leave like where we had built the nursery, where we like... We're going to bring our baby home to Lahaina residents. Tasha Anderson and Kevin Campbell are expecting their first child any day. Now, the fire took the fishing boat they worked on and their home, including the hand painted nursery their neighbors crafted for them. Sometimes it seems like unbearable. It seems like like I won't be able to do it, but just trying to stay strong. Shane True says he watched a down power line ignite dry brush just outside of his home in the area where the fire was first reported Tuesday morning. You see the sparking, you see flames. See the sparking, flames start almost immediately after from the dry grass. The cause of the fire is still under investigation, but tonight at least three lawsuits have been filed against Hawaiian Electric, alleging turning off the power lines would have saved lives. Why didn't you shut off the power when the wind started to pick up? We're still looking at all the information and we haven't actually had a chance to do all of that at this time. With all the um, I think it's been six days though, so almost six days. And we've been putting everything we've got to helping our communities right now. 
Also, Maui firefighters stretched thin fighting multiple blazes that deadly day say they had little water pressure to fight the fire and were quickly overmatched by the flames. Hydrants aren't working. That's no different than cops being in a gunfight without bullets. Today, President Biden announcing $700 payments to every displaced household for immediate needs. Every asset they need will be there for them. And besides the grief and misery, locals now reporting a new threat. Outsiders trying to cash in on their land. Realtors, people in the real estate industry, are calling your family and your friends who have lost everything to, to buy their plots of land. It is disgusting, it's a land grab, and I know that our Lahaina community, we are resilient and we will do whatever it takes to protect Lahaina. Tiare Lawrence is one of the lucky ones. Her home is still standing. With true Ohana spirit, she's hosting families displaced, including her aunt Tamara Akinoa, whose Lahaina home of four generations was reduced to ash. Is there still hope for the missing or is that, is that fading every single day? I personally don't have any hope left that the missing, that any of them are going to be found alive. I don't. Failure. Complete and utter failure. Amid so much heartbreak, we're learning more on the victims. Like Franklin Trejos, who tried driving to safety. His remains were found draped protectively over Sam, the golden retriever he loved. Alabama native Carol Hartley was last seen in the backyard of her Lahaina home. Her family says a search party found her remains over the weekend. The wildfires may now be contained, but as more of the dead are identified, they are still finding a way to torment this community. Tom Yamas, NBC News, Maui. Also tonight, the threat of severe storms. 22 million people at risk from southern New Jersey to North Carolina after heavy rain swept through the mid-Atlantic late yesterday. It caused flash flooding in Washington that trapped people in cars and flooded an animal daycare facility. Officials said several dogs died. Up to three inches of rain fell in some areas. For the first time tonight, there's word from North Korea about that U.S. soldier who bolted last month. North Korea's state media says Private Travis King confessed to crossing into the North because of, quote, inhuman maltreatment and racial discrimination against the U.S. Army or within the U.S. Army. The Pentagon says it can't verify the alleged comments and remains focused on King's safe return. In 60 seconds, the stunning case of a six-year-old boy shooting his teacher in class were there as his mother is in court. The alarming details about the shooting, what her son said moments after firing the gun, next. The UN Refugee Agency, or UNHCR, responds to emergencies and provides long-term solutions for refugees. They provide aid in over 130 countries, including Ukraine, Syria, Afghanistan, and Sudan, where people are forced to flee from war and persecution at their greatest moment of need. UNHCR helps and protects refugees by providing food, shelter, medical care, and other life-saving essentials. The agency jumpstarts relief in three key ways. They transport core relief items stored in even the most remote areas of the world. They deploy expert emergency staff trained to help in crisis situations. And they transfer funds directly to support the emergency. Because of generous supporters and donors, UNHCR can scale up its response within 72 hours of a large-scale emergency. Your support helps provide life-saving aid for refugees whenever and wherever emergencies occur. Donate to USA for UNHCR by visiting unrefugees.org slash donation.
It's the case that left so many stunned. The six-year-old Virginia student who shot his teacher. Today, the boy's mother pleading guilty to child neglect. Kathy Park has new details about what happened that day. Tonight, the legal fallout deepening for the mother of a Virginia boy who shot and seriously injured his first grade teacher. Deja Taylor pleaded guilty to felony child neglect, which could carry a prison sentence of up to five years. Does she still feel responsible for what's happened? Oh, yes, yeah, she feels she feels very responsible, feels very bad. Taylor already pleaded guilty in federal court in June to using marijuana while possessing a firearm. In the courtroom today, prosecutors shared new details about the moments after the six-year-old shot Abby Zwerner at Richneck Elementary saying he shouted, F you, I shot my teacher, before breaking free and punching a staff member in the face, and later saying he sold the gun from his mom because I needed to shoot my teacher. His teacher is still recovering from injuries to her hand and chest. I have a scar up here and I still have um, some bullet fragments up here. She spoke to Savannah Guthrie earlier this year. I remember him pointing the gun at me. I remember the look on his face. I remember the gun going off. Zwerner has filed a $40 million lawsuit against the school district. Her attorney writing in part, our focus remains on justice for Abby and holding the school system accountable for failing to act on warnings a boy had a gun. Newport News Public Schools said in a statement that it cannot comment on legal actions. According to the family attorney, the boy still has regular contact with his mother, but is currently in the custody of his great-grandfather. We've also learned that he's in therapy and improving every day. Lester? All right, Kathy, thank you. Up next, could the home of the future be the office of the past? How developers are filling empty buildings with work from home on the rise. We're back now with two big problems facing America's cities, the housing crunch and office buildings sitting empty due to work from home trends. But could both issues have a single solution? Here's Brian Chung. From these floors in downtown Kansas City, AMC's leaders used to call shots in their battle for movie theater dominance. But the company moved out of the historic building in 2013. And now the meeting rooms and executive suites are becoming living rooms and en-suites. This could be the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I could be making dinner right uh-huh. here. Mm-hmm. There are 21 floors in this building. Seven have already been converted into over 100 apartment units. Developer Price Brothers plans on converting the remaining floors into another 280. What has been the big challenge for converting a building like this? That's historic. I think needing to preserve the integrity of the building, finding floor plans that fit within the space. Residents say they like the novelty of living in an old office space. You walk into these buildings and it's beautiful because they were for executives and executive suites. It's one answer to the rising problem of empty offices fueled in part by work from home trends. Real estate firm CBRE says 18% of office space now sits empty, a 30-year high. Cities like San Francisco, Denver, and Atlanta dealing with vacancy rates well above that. Developers are getting creative to fill the space. Old offices turned into classrooms and biotech labs. Nobody wants to have a city backdrop that has unoccupied buildings that are decrepit and generally not attractive for their city. And so this is somewhat of a watershed moment to make sure that our cities can reinvent themselves. Reinventing isn't easy. Zoning laws and the cost of conversion are already obstacles. One study estimates only 15% of office buildings are convertible. 
back in Kansas City at Sky on Main, the uniform shape of the building allows for a copy and paste approach. Every one of the floors that we're doing here is, is this exact same layout all the way up. The finished unit's an example of what could be when the conditions are just right. Do you expect to see more buildings downtown make conversions like this one? I do expect that. Why? Well, once they've seen that we've been successful. Even though this office isn't a house, proof that it can become a home. Brian Chung, NBC News, Kansas City, Missouri. Up next for us tonight, he's a champion surfer from Maui, now on a mission to help those who have lost so much. Finally, we want to tell you about the Maui community coming together to solve problems they say local officials simply aren't. And the surfing star leading the call to action. Here's Steve Patterson. In the hours after the nation's deadliest fire ripped through the heart of Maui, residents from across the island were already finding ways to heal. Neighbors helping neighbors by land and by sea. Maui superstar pro surfer Kai Lenny is known for shredding some of the world's biggest waves. Kai Lenny, fin drifting down a drop. Now, in a crisis that's consumed his home state, he's laying down his board for a megaphone. What's your mission right now? Um, I mean, my mission right now is to serve the people however I can. With roads jammed, Kai jumped on his jet ski to reach the people of Lahaina, many still cut off from fuel, food, and precious medication. There's no electricity, people need propane, diapers, bottles. Kai telling us he was contacted to help when friends and family who lost homes told him they were still waiting on government aid. The frustration amongst all the locals is like, where, where is everybody? Something we heard from residents. If people can't get their insulin, they're going to die. We still have loved ones that's trapped, for example, my dad. The government says it's doing all it can to care for a remote area with limited resources. I think the real problem has been the communication, and I just don't believe that our state officials, county, know what to do. There's certain things that need to happen immediately, and I'm proud of the community for doing that. The Hawaiian word is kokua. It means to pitch in with kindness no matter what. Steve Patterson, NBC News, Maui. And that's Nightly News for this Tuesday. Thank you for watching, everyone. I'm Lester Holt. Please take care of yourself and each other. Good night. Hey, it's me, your barista. You know how you come in almost every day for our cold foam coffee? Well, now there's an easy way to foam at home with new International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. And it's foaming delicious. New International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. Now in stores. It's foaming delicious.